Section 51 of Volume 1D of History of England from the Invasion of Julius Caesar to the Revolution of 1688. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read for you by Chiquito Crasto. History of England from the Invasion of Julius Caesar to the Revolution of 1688 by David Hume volume one d section fifty one chapter forty six part three the house likewise discovered some discontent against the king's proclamations that proclamations were not of equal force with laws yet he thought it a duty incumbent on him and a power inseparably annexed to the crown to restrain and prevent such mischiefs and inconveniences as he saw growing on the state against which no certain law was extant and which might tend to the great detriment of the subject if there should be no remedy provided till the meeting of a parliament and this prerogative he adds our progenitors have in all times used and enjoyed the intervals between sessions we may observe were frequently so long as to render it necessary for a prince to interpose by his prerogative the legality of this exertion was established by uniform and undisputed practice and was even acknowledged by lawyers who made however this difference between laws and proclamations that the authority of the former was perpetual that of the latter expired with the sovereign who emitted them but what the authority could be which bound the subject yet was different from the authority of laws and inferior to it seems inexplicable by any maxims of reason or politics and in this instance as in many others it is easy to see how inaccurate the english constitution was before the parliament was enabled by continued acquisitions or encroachments to establish it on fixed principles of liberty upon the settlements of the reformation that extensive branch of power which regards ecclesiastical matters being then without an owner seemed to belong to the first occupant and henry the eighth failed not immediately to seize it and to exert it even to the utmost degree of tyranny the possession of it was continued with edward and recovered by elizabeth and that ambitious princess was so remarkably jealous of this flower of a crown that she severely reprimanded the parliament if they ever presumed to intermeddle in these matters and they were so overawed by her authority as to submit and to ask pardon on these occasions but james's parliaments were much less obsequious they ventured to lift up their eyes and to consider their prerogative they there saw a large province of government possessed by the king alone and scarcely ever communicated with the parliament they were sensible that this province admitted not of any exact boundary or circumscription they had felt that the roman pontiff in former ages under pretence of religion was gradually making advances to usurp the whole civil power they dreaded still more dangerous consequences from the claims of their own sovereign who resided among them and who in many other respects possessed such unlimited authority they therefore deemed it absolutely necessary to circumscribe this branch of prerogative and accordingly in the preceding session they passed a bill against the establishment of any ecclesiastical canons without consent of parliament but the house of lords as is usual defended the barriers of the throne and rejected the bill in this session the commons after passing anew the same bill made remonstrances against the proceedings of the high commission court 
it required no great penetration to see the extreme danger to liberty arising in a regal government from such large discretionary powers as were exercised by that court but james refused compliance with the application of the commons he was probably sensible that besides the diminution of his authority many inconveniences must necessarily result from the abolishing of all discretionary power in every magistrate and that the laws were they ever so carefully framed and digested could not possibly provide against every contingency much less where they had not as yet attained a sufficient degree of accuracy and refinement but the business which chiefly occupied the commons during this session was the abolition of wardships and purveyance prerogatives which had been more or less touched on every session during the whole reign of james in this affair the commons employed the proper means which might entitle them to success they offered the king a settled revenue as an equivalent for the powers which he should part with and the king was willing to hearken to terms after much dispute he agreed to give up these prerogatives for two hundred thousand pounds a year which they agreed to confer upon him and nothing remained towards closing the bargain but that the commons should determine the funds by which this sum should be levied this session was far too advanced to bring so difficult a matter to a full conclusion and though the parliament met again towards the end of the year and resumed the question they were never able to terminate an affair upon which they seemed so intent the journals of that session are lost and as the historians of this reign are very negligent in relating parliamentary affairs of whose importance they were not sufficiently apprised we know not exactly the reason of this failure it only appears that the king was extremely dissatisfied with the conduct of the parliament and soon after dissolved it this was his first parliament and it sat near seven years amidst all the attacks some more some less violent on royal prerogative the king displayed as openly as ever all his exalted notions of monarchy and the authority of princes even in a speech to the parliament where he begged for supply and where he should naturally have used every art to ingratiate himself with that assembly he expressed himself in these terms i conclude then the point touching the power of kings with this axiom of divinity that as to dispute what god may do is blasphemy but what god wills that divines may lawfully and do ordinarily dispute and discuss so is it a sedition in subjects to dispute what a king may do in the height of his power but just kings will ever be willing to declare what they will do if they will not incur the curse of god i will not be content that my power be disputed upon but i shall ever be willing to make the reason appear of my doings and rule my actions according to my laws notwithstanding the great extent of prerogative in that age these expressions would probably give some offence but we may observe that as the king's despotism was more speculative than practical so the independency of the commons was at this time the reverse and though strongly supported by their present situation as well as disposition was too new and recent to be as yet founded on systematical principles and opinions this year was distinguished by a memorable event which gave great alarm and concern in england the murder of the french monarch by the poniard of the fanatical ravaillac with his death the glory of the french monarchy suffered an eclipse for some years and as that kingdom fell under an administration weak and bigoted factious and disorderly the austrian greatness began anew to appear formidable to europe in england the antipathy to the catholics revived a little upon this tragical event and some of the laws which had formerly been enacted in order to keep these religionists in awe 
began now to be executed with greater rigor and severity. 1611. Though James's timidity and indolence fixed him, during most of his reign, in a very prudent inattention to foreign affairs, there happened this year an event in Europe of such mighty consequence as to rouse him from his lethargy and summon up all his zeal and enterprise. A professor of divinity named Worstius, the disciple of Arminius, was called from a German to a Dutch university, and as he differed from his Britannic majesty in some nice questions concerning the intimate essence and secret decrees of God, he was considered as a dangerous rival in scholastic fame and was at last obliged to yield to the legions of that royal doctor whose syllogisms he might have refuted or eluded if vigour was wanting in other incidents of james's reign here he behaved even with haughtiness and insolence and the states were obliged after several remonstrances to deprive worstius of his chair and to banish him their dominions the king carried no further his animosity against that professor though he had very charitably hinted to the states that as to the burning of Ostius for his blasphemies and atheism he left them to their own christian wisdom but surely never heretic deserved better the flames it is to be remarked that at this period all over europe except in holland alone the practice of burning heretics still prevailed even in protestant countries and instances were not wanting in england during the reign of james to consider james in a more advantageous light we must take a view of him as the legislator of ireland and most of the institutions which he had framed for civilizing that kingdom being finished about this period it may not here be improper to give some account of them he frequently boasts of the management of ireland as his masterpiece and it will appear upon inquiry that his vanity in this particular was not altogether without foundation after the subjection of ireland by elizabeth the more difficult task still remained to civilize the inhabitants to reconcile them to laws and industry and to render their subjection durable and useful to the crown of england james proceeded in this work by a steady regular and well-concerted plan and in the space of nine years according to sir john davis he made greater advances towards the reformation of that kingdom than had been made in the four hundred and forty years which had elapsed since the conquest was first attempted it was previously necessary to abolish the irish customs which supplied the place of laws and which were calculated to keep that people forever in a state of barbarism and disorder by the brehon law or custom every crime however was punished not with death but by a fine or pecuniary mulct which was levied upon the criminal murder itself as among all the ancient barbarous nations was atoned for in this manner and each man according to his rank had a different rate or value affixed to him which if any one were willing to pay he needed not fear assassinating his enemy this rate was called his eric when sir william fitzwilliams being lord deputy told maguire that he was to send a sheriff into fermanagh which a little before had been made a county and subjected to the english law your sheriff said maguire shall be welcome to me but let me know beforehand his eric or the price of his head that if my people cut it off i may levy the money upon the county as for oppression extortion and other trespasses so little were they regarded that no penalty was affixed to them and no redress for such offences could ever be obtained the customs of gavelkinder and tanistry were attended with the same absurdity in the distribution of property sixteen hundred and twelve the land by the custom of gavelkinder was divided among all the males of the sept or family 
both bastard and legitimate and after partition made if any of the sept died his portion was not shared out among his sons but the chieftain at his discretion made a new partition of all the lands belonging to that sept and gave every one his share as no man by reason of this custom enjoyed the fixed property of any land to build to plant to enclose to cultivate to improve would have been so much lost labour the chieftains and the tanis though drawn from the principal families were not hereditary but were established by election or more properly speaking by force and violence their authority was almost absolute and notwithstanding that certain lands were assigned to the office its chief profit resulted from exactions dues assessments for which there was no fixed law and which were levied at pleasure hence rose that common byword among the irish that they dwelt westward of the law which dwelt beyond the river of the barrow meaning the country where the english inhabited and which extended not beyond the compass of twenty miles lying in the neighbourhood of dublin after abolishing these irish customs and substituting english law in their place james having taken all the natives under his protection and declared them free citizens proceeded to govern them by a regular administration military as well as civil a small army was maintained its discipline inspected and its pay transmitted from england in order to keep the soldiers from preying upon the country as had been usual in former reigns when odogarthic raised an insurrection a reinforcement was sent over and the flames of that rebellion were immediately extinguished all minds being first quieted by a general indemnity circuits were established justice administered oppression banished and crimes and disorders of every kind severely punished as the irish had been universally engaged in the rebellion against elizabeth a resignation of all the rights which had been formerly granted them to separate jurisdiction were rigorously exacted and no authority but that of the king and the law was permitted throughout the kingdom a resignation of all private estates was even required and when they were restored the proprietors received them under such conditions as might prevent for the future all tyranny and oppression over the common people the value of the dues which the nobles usually claimed from their vassals was estimated at a fixed sum and all further arbitrary exactions prohibited under severe penalties the whole province of ulster having fallen to the crown by the attainder of rebels a company was established in london for planting new colonies in that fertile country the property was divided into moderate shares the largest not exceeding two thousand acres tenants were brought over from england and scotland the irish were removed from the hills and fastnesses and settled in the open country husbandry and the arts were taught them a fixed habitation secured plunder and robbery punished and by these means ulster from being the most wild and disorderly province of all ireland soon became the best cultivated and most civilized such were the arts by which james introduced humanity and justice among a people who had ever been buried in the most profound barbarism noble cares much superior to the vain and criminal glory of conquest but requiring ages of perseverance and attention to perfect what had been so happily begun a laudable act of justice was about this time executed in england upon lord sunkerbeer a scottish nobleman who had been guilty of the base assassination of turner a fencing master the english nation who were generally dissatisfied with the scots were enraged at this crime equally mean and atrocious but james appeased them by preferring the severity of law to the intercession of the friends and family of the criminal end of section fifty one chapter forty six part three read for you by chiquito crasto birmingham alabama